to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Fibro Animal Health, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're joined by Jim Huang to talk about China's impact on the U.S. hog and pork markets. How are you doing today, Jim? Oh, very good. Uh, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be on uh, Popular Pig today. Excited to have you. I've heard a lot of great things, and we've had brief interaction, and I'm just excited for you to share what you know about what's happening in China, international markets, how it's affecting the U.S. If I go to events or when I go to events, the room that okay. is always the most full is the one where somebody who's knowledgeable about what's happening internationally between the U.S. and China in regards to trade and, and production and what China's doing differently, it's always the fullest. So I can't imagine that it won't be the case with this episode. If, if you could start by just introducing yourself and your background, helping us understand how you got involved with the pig market, that would be great. Okay. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Uh, actually, I was born in China and came to the U.S. 30 years ago in December 1991, a long time ago. Uh, with the industry experience, I have 24 years, uh, mostly in the commodity futures industry. I started as the data analyst with Thomson Reuters in St. Louis in 1998, then moved to Chicago in 2001. Uh, during my 11 year at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the Merck, I worked very closely with the agricultural commodity team, uh, mostly coordinating with market maker program for option contract, including corn, soybean, wheat, lean hog, light cattle, feeder cattle, butter, and milk. So all the agricultural uh, contracts. Uh, 10 years ago, uh, actually, exactly 10 years ago, uh, 2012, and I started my own business, uh, which is called China America Commodity Data Analytics in, in China, uh, where I came from. At the time, China has three futures exchange. Altogether, only have four, 24 futures contracts. There's no option contract at the time. So livestock, poultry, and dairy were completely absent. So my main business at the time was to help the Chinese exchange to design new agricultural commodity contracts. So far, the last 10 years, I am credited uh, with the successful launch of Ag Future in 2013 soybean meal option in 2017, and live hog future, which is what we are going to talk about today, in 2021. All three contracts were with the Dalian Commodity Exchange, DCE. In addition, I also held another exchange, China Zhengzhou Commodity Exchange, CZCG, with a feasibility study on potato future. This contract is being reviewed by regulator right now and maybe list 
uh, later this year. Uh, besides acting as an exchange consultant, I work with commercial firm, kind of like the hawk producer and trading company participating in the agricultural futures market. Uh, right now, I can count three of the top 20 Chinese hog producer and two of the top 20 poultry and egg producer are my client. I provide data analytic report dashboard and in some case, I actually manage their futures account for them. In relation to today's topic, China's hog market, I have participated in about 20 webinars, have written uh, about 15 China hawk market commentary and also been interviewed several times by Bloomberg and Reuters since DC launched hawk future January last year. Uh, in the past two years, due to the COVID, I actually moved back to the United States. I bought a small farm and now live in central Illinois, about four and a half hours south of uh, uh, Chicago and about one and a half hour north. Uh, from St. Louis, kind of in the middle of nowhere. So this is my background. <laughs> uh, but in my life, I never raised any pig. Uh, back to you, Matthew. Yeah. No, that's it's incredible how much you have accomplished and how how much of an impact you've really had on uh, the futures markets in in China. It's 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 very impressive. I think I'd like to start things off today by providing some context around what is the life of a producer or um, of pork production in China over the past three, four years, because it is it has been a pretty massive roller coaster. Um, I was able to go to Beijing in 2019 and, and meet with a lot of the, the larger producers and, and kind of hear what they wow. had to say, but that was before COVID and that was before prices dropped. So if you could kind of talk about that, that would be great. What has that, that roller coaster been like for those who are in China? Uh, interesting. Uh, I, I didn't know that you've been to Beijing and also met with some of the big producers. So there's uh, two different phases. One is the small uh, family farm farmer that which uh, most of us think about, the Chinese hog farmer. But there are also a number of uh, big publicly trade companies. So the top guy, Mu Yuan, the biggest uh, producer, uh, his owner, his founder, is one of the top 10 uh, richest person in China. So they are really totally different. And with their stock price going up and down, uh, and I mean, two years ago, he's uh, probably ranked uh, number five as the richest person in China. Now probably down to number 20 because the stock price dropped so much because mm. of the uh, hot price drop. So it's, uh, for them, it's a really billion dollar up and down. Yeah, because they from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, they they had 122% year over year growth. And and they're out of what, ninety-four million hogs last year out of the top ten, they were about forty million of it. So they are they have grown a massive amount since twenty nineteen. That's for sure. Yes. So uh that's the phenomenon we will talk about later. Uh is I think only happened in China. There are about forty publicly trade company in the hog industry from hog production, feed production, uh, animal health, and stuff like that, and, and meat packer as well. Uh, I mean, you don't see that many in the U.S. or Canada or Europe. So they had 
uh, mess it well uh, based on uh, the status of public companies so they can issue new stock and raise a lot of funds and they can uh, get credit and loan from bank with a super low interest rate. So their behavior very different from the small family farm. So how did how did COVID and ASF, I mean, how has that impacted the buying behaviors or their their approach or mindset around the business uh, going through all of this? Because they have grown so much. Uh, what, why why have their behaviors changed so much? And I guess what can we expect to be a um, a good business strategy for a producer in China as we look over the next five years? Okay, so first we talk about the ASF, right? The that impact the hog industry pretty much uh, uh, erased uh, about half of all the hog in China. Uh, the market leader at the time, like once. I used to be a 20 million hog, but then it's down to less than 10 million. The production cutting half, and now go back a little bit to 13 million. But uh, uh, from the ASF, uh, they realized very quickly, even though the hog uh, erased uh, half of the, the population, but the price shot up from about 10 yen per kilogram to 40 yen in a matter of months. So all of them say, well, uh, it's a huge. Uh, potential uh, to grow business. As public company, their stock price go up because all of a sudden, uh, uh, investors see that uh, whoever still had hog, they can sell it at really high profit margin. So their uh, stock price went up sharp, sharply just as the hog price went up. So they uh, basically went on for uh, basically building spree that uh, they're setting in 2019 when the stock price and the hog price went up. So that changed their behavior. And the COVID is mo- mostly, uh, I think, similar to in the U.S. at, at the beginning uh, was the restriction on uh, business, but didn't really impact much in farming. Uh, farming uh, is not uh, really uh, particularly hog farming. Uh, large uh, industrial like hog farm is not uh, people intensive, uh, so they're not being affected by the like the uh, 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 social distance and all kinds of things. But it affects uh, retail, affect travel, affect a lot of small business, affect appointment, and affect uh, people's uh, income. So, and now it's uh, the third year and COVID. So their income, their jobs still at risk. So they, they just don't have uh, much money to buy as much uh, hot pork as possible. So that's the impacts are mostly on the uh, demand side. So what is what is it going to mean to be a successful pork producer in China when we look over the next five years? Okay. So the one thing that are uh, really critical is the hog price cycle, is the farm uh, and uh, boom and bust cycle. The price go up and down. Uh, normally it's about four to five years. Uh, ASF and COVID actually uh, uh, make it a little bit longer. So uh, it went up the price uh, for two years and then now went down for two years. So uh, everybody knows that eventually the price is going to go up. So for the farmer, which is uh, still financially capable, they want to maintain 
their inventory, maintain their capacity. When the price uh, go up, they will benefit from that. So for the big, uh, if I, we talk about the big camps, uh, they are still uh, expanding right now. As we speak, even they are really losing a lot of money right now. The market maker, uh, the market leader, Mu Yuan, their break even point, they, they from their announcement, all in cost uh, is uh, 16 yuan uh, per kilogram. Right now, the market price uh, is 12 yuan. So they're deeply in the red with their size. But they know that, uh, particularly you're looking at the future market predict that uh, by September, uh, hog price is going to go back up uh, to above the 16. So the break even will come in maybe in the third or uh, fourth quarter. So, but when it go back up, uh, like the next uh, hog price cycle go up. So with their 40 million hog now and potentially 70 million hog in two years, they're going to make a huge lot of uh, money. So that's what they are doing now is uh, try to maintain their financial ability. So the, the big farmer had a, a much better mean to do that and they control their cost and then they kind of like wait for the next uh, big uh, price jump and then they make up for all the loss they had for the last couple of years. Do you think that we will see prices return to where they were a year ago, or do you think it's going to be somewhere in the middle? I mean, with ASF's impact on that, I mean, is it possible to return to where they are? Are we looking at a a good future norm being between 20 and 30 um, instead of up in the 40s or 50s? Uh, my view is from uh, the collective behavior of the top producer not really cutting back. So it, it will be pretty challenging to go back about uh, 20 at least this year. Uh, of course, next year is uh, a different story because uh, when we're looking at the cost of production, it doesn't hit current cycle, it hit the next cycle. If uh, with the Russia-Ukraine war continue going on cutting supply in uh, corn, uh, uh, wheat and soybean, and then the eventually even the big guy you feel the pain, uh, then that way uh, that uh, the supply will eventually uh, level and going back down. So we haven't seen that yet. So you had talked about them expanding a lot. In the U.S., our building costs have gone up incredibly high uh, from what they were because of supply chain. But a lot of that supply chain is getting things from Asia to to the U.S. And so when we look at the expansions that these producers are 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 doing. Yeah. Are they suffering high material costs as well, or is that not as big of a problem in China right now? Uh, yes, uh, they are, of course, the energy costs, right? The, the effect uh, and the metal all affect that. But these uh, public company, when they, uh, it normally had to be a three to five year plan to build. So they had uh, secured some funding, whether it's from a bank loan. Uh, Sometimes they get government subsidies in terms of getting land uh, uh, to, to be a partner with them. So they are set in motion by the last couple of years. And it's impossible, almost impossible for them to back up uh, because you already make commitment uh, to the government how, how many hogs you're going to produce in the next five years, uh, what's the employment, what's the tax that you're going to contribute. So they are really, uh, for those uh, big guys, they really don't have anything uh, to back down 
and backing down means a mission to failure in their business strategy. They will, their stock price will crash and the management will be gone. So that's the mm-hmm. uh, impact at that level that we, we don't normally think of as a, a hawk farm. Gotcha. So before we transition to how what's happening in China is impacting the U.S. and maybe vice versa, uh, the last question I would like to ask is what should producers in China be most excited about when looking at the future? And what should they be the most concerned about? And either order you want to approach, that's fine. Okay. So exciting. Uh, I think they will see the price going to go up. Uh, it's just uh, whether it's uh, three months from now, five months from now, or a year from now. So they are hoping that will happen. Uh, so that will get them excited because they, they've been holding on uh, for at, at least uh, a year now, uh, a lot of them in the red year. So the worrisome is uh, just the, we still see the price uh, kind of like level down at this level uh, and, and it's just uh, difficult to, uh, to, for them to, to, to uh, really run their business. Uh, cash strap uh, for small to medium sized farm, they are struggling right now. So that's uh, what they worry about. And, and the government uh, really didn't in, uh, report the, the collateral damage from the COVID, right? The, People losing job, people uh, wipe out of their saving. They don't have money to buy, uh, like even the program, so so much cheaper. So there are a lot of suffering right now that they're, they're enduring right now. They're, but the government has not really relaxed that so-called zero uh, COVID policy. So they they could lock down a city of 17 million in uh, in Xi'an, the old capital, uh, for exactly a month. And then uh, Shenzhen, which is uh, in the southern part, that with a lot of electronic, uh, particularly the iPhone, most of the iPhone are being assembled in Shenzhen. So they locked down for uh, a week, completely locked down for a week. Now kind of relaxed a little bit, but still semi-lockdown. And Shanghai, the largest city with 26 million people, they're kind of like locked down right now. So these are a lot of the suffering is uh, right now. So they're hoping, okay, the government will relax that. People can go out, they can work, they can earn income. So the consumption will be up uh, again. Gotcha. Well, thank you for thank you for sharing on that. When we turn our head to the U.S., how is what's happening in China impacting the U.S.? And I know it's a very broad question, but I'll kind of let you approach that as, as you think is best and, and the order you think is best. Okay. First is for the U.S. the uh, export uh, perspective. China's uh, traditionally they are they were self-sufficient in uh, pork uh, production, and but then with the uh, African swine fever, they all of a sudden had a big uh, uh, shock in supply, so they start importing. So when we look at the twenty twenty. Uh, which is the uh, their highest level import, 4.4 million uh, metric ton of, of import. That was like more than 200% above the previous year. But then last year, with the surprise coming back and the price dropped 60%, uh, 
the import was down 15 and a half percent. So that's the thing that we'll be seeing uh, uh, happening this year as well. That just don't have that much need uh, for port import. They mo mostly importing uh, thing that uh, the different part that the uh, uh, China uh, lacking. Uh, kind of like when they import uh, chicken, they probably uh, import a lot of chicken feed. Which um, uh, not many people eat it in the U.S. right? But there's a lot of demand in China. So there's uh, this kind, not the the carcass or, or the whole whole hog that they're importing there. So that, but the overall, I'm seeing the import from China will be probably still lower compared to last year. Last year's uh, uh, data, so it could be still uh, 10, 20 percent uh, lower than last year's data. That would add an impact to the uh, domestic uh, pork price. Uh, I think that's a, a really good interaction that uh, when the import, uh, the export from the U.S. Uh, perspective, with the export market growing, that help the domestic uh, pork price. But right now, it's, uh, it's not looking good in, in China. Uh, that That's probably the low hog price and the, uh, the low import that will affect uh, the U.S. In, in, that's uh, one thing. Uh, the other thing uh, we already seen the the high cost for corn and soybean. So apart from uh, whether it's in South uh, uh, American uh, with the war from uh, Russia in uh, Ukraine, and also the huge uh, hog inventory in China. So that would uh, make the corn and soybean particularly. Price uh, continue to stay uh, very high for 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 probably a uh, very long time to come. So that's a uh, bullish in in the grain and uh, bearish in in the meat market. Gotcha. When we look at how that's going down and and all the expansion that's happening in China, does the U.S. or like those who lead our industry uh, need to prepare? Uh, for what it would look like in a world where we no longer export grain or meat to China, or or even if it's just meat alone, do you think we'll ever get to a point like that, or do you think China is going to become self-sufficient? How how do you think that whole relationship should be thought through in regards to risk management or or identifying areas of opportunity? Uh, okay, there's the two uh, part of it. Uh, uh, from the leadership, right? They want to be sales today, uh, whether it's technology, uh, uh, like uh, uh, food or uh, uh, metal. Uh, so that's, they, they wanted to do that. And they don't want to over-rely on just one source, U.S., right? Uh, politically sensitive. And then that's why they expand their uh, sourcing, uh, particularly in uh, Ukraine, right? They, they uh, import a lot of corn from Ukraine. And of course, uh, a lot of wheat from Russia. So they want to diverse that, not just from one source. Uh, the other thing is that whether they can uh, be self-sustained uh, is uh, questionable because the cost of production is uh, pretty high. It's not that uh, uh, efficient. And they just don't have that many uh, tillable land uh, to do that, from, from particularly from uh, 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 corn and uh, soybean. They, Mainly uh, using land to produce rice, right? A rice or wheat, which is uh, the people eat 
uh, uh, for, for food, and then the corn and soybean mostly as a feed ingredient. So they, they, I think they, they uh, sell sustains mostly that we need to have enough rice, enough uh, uh, flour, right, enough bread to feed the consumer. But uh, feed ingredient uh, is not as critical. So, so I think particularly the U.S. Uh, uh, grain uh, are cheapest in the world. So they continue to buy. And just uh, I think uh, yesterday I saw the new the uh, U.S. Uh, trade representative office uh, exam. Uh, I think it was thir- uh, 329 uh, Chinese uh, uh, commodity or uh, product from the high uh, Trump air. Uh, uh, import duty, so it look like they are going to relax. So it's it's kind of like when we uh, lower the duty, and then you uh, probably will see the Chinese side will lower their import duty as well. So I think the uh, the commerce will consume the import and export will will consume. Uh, is uh, but for the meat is really uh more like a commercial decision if the U.S. Price are very high. Uh, they just uh, don't want to buy it. So if they go back to a few years ago, when the Chinese uh, price are twice as the U.S. price, and they would still have a lot of uh, incentive to buy. So it's less uh, political uh, uh, sensitive. It's more uh, business uh, relationship in this case. Gotcha. So w- from what you know, too, with between. Um... U.S. and China, do you believe that the political relationship has grown or improved uh, over the last two years? Oh, it deteriorated. Uh, probably the worst since uh, Nixon with uh, China in uh, 1972. Uh, so I think is uh, from the political sense, uh, is a really rivalry. It's not just a competitor. It used to be a, maybe a strategic partner. Uh, now is uh, uh, really a long time arrival, so that's the uh, the basic uh, setting. So it, it changed so the in the in the last uh, three four years. So that's uh, I don't think it's going to reverse any anytime soon. Uh, but the business side has some common sense. So they uh, if you really look at like uh, Elon Musk, I built the Tesla plant in Shanghai, right? During the Trump year, uh, and now uh, even the uh, import export between the two countries is not as uh, uh, satisfactory predicted by the, the uh, trade agreement that signed last two uh, two years ago. But I think that maybe there will be to a point that is uh, uh, particularly food item. Uh, these are less politically uh, sensitive. It's not high tech, right? So I think that might be in a way that is uh, less affected by the the political uh, rivalry between the two countries. Gotcha. Well, no, this is this is great, and uh, it sheds a light on a lot of different things. We I know we hit a lot of different areas. Do you have any any final thoughts that you'd like to share around just the the whole aspect of international production of, of pork and, and that relationship that is existing between the U.S. and, and Canada? Uh, I think we used to export a lot of like uh, pork as a basic uh, food ingredient. It's just pork. So you're selling at the cheapest price. 
uh, but uh, very few uh, producer or uh, meat packer established their brand name or distribution channel in China. Uh, there's still a lot of opportunity, particularly during the last uh, uh, few years. Uh, before uh, the China, uh, Chinese people like to eat fresh pork. So frozen pork from US and Canada always kind of like, okay, it's for uh, processing. It is when you make canned food or uh, make sausage. But people don't like uh, a frozen food, frozen meat uh, in their uh, uh, dinner dish. So uh, but with the shortage in uh, the last two years and then the dietary uh, behavior changed a little bit. So I think it's a good opportunity uh, now if you want to still uh, want to export uh, to China. So not just the, just the bulk uh, commodity need. You need to get your Smithfield brand, get your Hormel brand, uh, get your Tyson brand in front of the, the, the consumer. And then you can still can command a high price differential between wholesale and retail. Very great perspective. Thank you very much. There's a couple of questions I ask to wrap up each podcast. The first one that I'm asking is, what is something interesting about yourself that most people do not know about you? Okay. Um, all right. I admit that I, uh, I had a girlfriend in Ukraine. So that's uh, why if you see my social media, I really... Uh, I do a lot of work there that uh, luckily, uh, as she's my ex-girlfriend, not, not girlfriend <laughs> now, but I still care about her that she's the one of them that uh, escaped from Akia and now in Poland. So this is uh, I, I can look at the world in a really personal level. So so that's, that's something that I, I didn't tell many people. Most people don't know about that. <laughs> gotcha. Well, you heard it here. And uh, I guess, what is a golden nugget or a bit of wisdom that you would like to share as a life lesson that you have learned uh, for listeners? Uh, I think I, I, uh, with all this happening, I, I think that America is still the greatest uh, country. I hope that you continue that way. You, you look at, uh, as a, like I started out as a foreign student and you look at Elon Musk same thing as a foreign student they can uh, grow to become the richest person in the world. So I, I think that from the political perspective, right now it's just like too much extreme on either side. So I hope we come back to the, to, to the middle. And then I think that uh, we still have uh, 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 quite a long way to go after the last, last few years. And uh, I'm not really politically uh, uh, active, but I really want to see uh, uh, in fighting in, in the country will we'll stop and then we really uh, the most important thing is to uh, continue our strength our uh, uh, advantage as the, the mo- most uh, uh, technologically advanced country uh, in, the, in the world well thank you for sharing that and thank you for being a guest on the popular pig podcast it's been a real pleasure to have you on and, and we all can't thank you enough Uh, Thank you, Matthew, and thank you, listener, uh, uh, from all over the world. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. 
we aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. 